93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Radio Show. Glad you have tuned in this week. Uh, got a great guest that we're, I'm excited to uh, introduce to you. He's actually a repeat guest, so you will recognize his name and... Uh, uh, he is a New York Times best-selling author. He has co-written a book called The Sale with uh, business writer John Gordon, who has published 29 books now, I believe. Uh, and uh, his one of his most recent books is with Alex Demsack, a resident of Columbia, Missouri, former Mizzou quarterback. Alex, welcome to the show. Fred, it's an honor to be back. Uh, and it's great to have you. Th- this reminds me of being in college because yesterday you said, hey, someone couldn't be on. Can you be on? It, it reminds me of coming off the bench, except at Mizzou, I, I never actually came off the bench. I just stayed on the sidelines. So takes a big man to admit that. <laughs> yeah, so I appreciate you calling me off the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, I'm going to see if you can kick a 61 yard field goal here. In just I a minute. that was impressive. Yeah, that, that was, was impressive by and, any definition. And we actually we have a four month old son named Walker and a three year old daughter named Kennedy. We rushed the field. Yeah, and my wife. Aaron, oh, you did. We rushed the field, really? but Walker slept through the whole thing. So oh, wow. we have pictures of it. So later in his life, we'll be like you. You're First yeah. ever Mizzou game. Walker, you tore down the goalposts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he slept through the whole thing. So, I, you know, when you think about NIL funding and uh, just sort of uh, uh, what Harrison Mevis must have had a really good week. I'm sure he got a pretty big pay raise. <laughs> I know he endorses a uh, hamburger. Uh, is that his, right? His name is used, uh, the thicker kicker burger uh, down at uh, Campus Bar and Grill. And so I would imagine that his stock has gone way up. I would think so. And yeah. that, that sounds like a great burger. So you can literally go over there to Campus Bar yep. and get that? X as for the Harrison Mevis burger, the thicker kicker burger. Is there anywhere in Columbia you can get a Fred Perry special? Of any? Oh, absolutely. Where, where would that be at? <laughs> well, right here in the studio, but we can't talk about it on the air. All right. All right. So um, great to have you in the studio. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your background uh, for, for people that uh, are hearing you for the first time. Yeah. So I, li- I married a Columbia be a girl uh, came to Mizzou for college and for football and walked onto the football team with, with when coach Pinkle was here mm-hmm. and so just learned so many awesome gosh life lessons football lessons all all things from that staff and coach Pinkle and coach Hill and and then graduated and uh, went into sales for about five years yeah and when I was in that sales role for an awesome company here in town Veterans United they're mm-hmm. amazing I love all those guys I started doing speaking engagements on the side it's kind of like a Side hustle, like yeah. every other millennial does. Yeah. And Not every other millennial, by the way, just a handful. Well, you know, it's kind of the thing to do these days. You yeah. get a side hustle. Yeah. Um, it's a gig society. It's a gig society. Yeah. And uh, do you ever drive any Uber or anything? No, I didn't. But I I mean, I had enough rotten jobs over the years, including <laughs> sweeping up people's vomit at Worlds of Fun. But uh, anyway, that, uh, that that was three years of my life. I'll yes. never get back. But, but yeah. you know, it's, but I, I never had more than one job at a time, but I certainly have done. Every dirty job you could possibly imagine, that, including being a county commissioner, oh, man, <laughs> which may be the worst. That could be the, maybe the dirtiest. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's the thing is these kids these days, they're actually, this is off topic, but yeah. they're showing studies that uh, kids like Gen Z, this next generation, yeah. they would actually, some of them would rather make 
less money if they could do something they're passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's kind of, you know, imagine me telling my grandpa that. Yeah. He's going, right. what? Yeah. Well, it, I think it'd be nice to see some people with a little more passion, uh, especially towards their career and their vocation. But, you know, uh, if that's true, and I hope it's true, I hope that their work ethic uh, matches their passion. And, and yeah. I think that's so often what you don't see. But where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Naperville, Illinois, okay, and then moved to Springfield when I was in seventh grade, and so Springfield, Illinois, or Illinois, Illinois. okay, yep, the land of Lincoln, land of Lincoln. Have you All been right. to that museum? Uh, no, I have not. A lot. M- m- I think George Bush has been there. A lot of people have visited, so it's, wow. a, it's a big museum. It must be interesting. It is interesting, and uh, you have to you have to see it. And uh, and then came here to to Columbia for for school, and like I said, married a Columbia girl, so she has a lot of family. Yeah, the Critchfields here in town, and have just stayed stayed here. Yeah, so you're married to a Critchfield. Um, yep. it's you know. I think that um, it, this last year has been an exciting year for you because you uh, published this book. Uh, this is not your first book. Uh, Thrive You was your first book yep. uh, that, that came out, and, and it was an inspirational book uh, based on uh, college athletes, I yep. guess. And uh, and so, uh, but this book is really different because. Uh, being a hustler, and I don't think you take that as an insult, because uh, I think you you hustle and and you uh, you know how to get things done, and sometimes you have to do them in unconventional ways to be really successful. But you develop a relationship with John Gordon, who is uh, a famous speaker and uh, business author. He writes. Uh, it's a word you would use: fables, business fables. Yeah, fables. You know, his last book was not a business fable, and I got to tell you, I struggled with it. Because, One truth. Yes, and I thought, well. It's really interesting how much I enjoy the fable over just a straight business book. So, and I wonder if he's yeah. getting that feedback from other people. So going from a fable to a non-fable. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and so, uh, but I enjoy the fables because there's a plot, there's a storyline, uh, and there's a very valuable lesson, several valuable lessons uh, in uh, so many parts of the story. Your book, The Cell, is a business fable um, about a guy who has a uh, an encounter with uh, with integrity. Yeah, it's about a guy named Matt who, at work, things are going great. I mean, he's having success, and but at home, not so much. Mm-hmm. And so his wife, Kendra, ultimately tells him, like, look, I didn't sign up for this. Um, yeah. I'm raising these kids alone, and you need to provide. Yeah. And his response, essentially, is provide. I make more money in a month than the average person does in a year. Yeah. Don't don't try that one. Yeah. You know, to, to someone in your life, that was, a, that was just a not great for him to say that. And... Um, and so there's this this stuff going on at home and at work things are going great. He has the chance to make the sale of a lifetime and the only problem is him and his team would have to lack integrity to do so. And so yeah. as you know in the storyline, you know it's these principles of integrity. What does it look like to 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 lead with integrity, to build trust? And I think that's the message and and even Fred, this morning, you know, uh, last night we were speaking to a group of high school students in, in Warrensburg at, mm-hmm. at that college. Yeah. This morning we were speaking at the Special Olympics building um, for the young professionals Down at Jeff, Jeff City. Jeff City. Yeah. yeah. And then tonight we're going to the Forbidden State of Kansas um, <laughs> to speak at a Chamber of Commerce event in Newton, Kansas Which tonight. Is, yeah. Now, is that pretty close to Manhattan? Or is that closer to Wichita? Drew is in the studio. He's driving okay. us. Drew, what yeah. do you think? Is it close? No, no. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to take yeah. not to wear your Mizzou colors yeah. over in Kansas, but I, I, sh- yeah. surely I have some K State jokes I could use yeah. in this oh, crowd. Absolutely. You know, absolutely, because as much as K State hates KU, uh, they probably hate us just as much right yes. now. So exactly. Anyway, so uh, so yeah. Even even you reaching out uh, and making this happen, I think. Uh, yeah, it was just really cool to see in in, in three talks in twenty four hours. It's, yeah, it, it is a grind. It is a hustle, but it's unique to see from middle schoolers all the way up to 
older business owners to be able to use these these concepts and principles in their life. And I yeah. think that's that's the why behind it. I, I want to ask you a, a question that's going to make you a little uncomfortable because, uh, you know, in this storyline, you know, it's really um, uh, the, your, your primary character, Matt, has a very busy career that really takes him away from his family a lot. And here you've got three speaking gigs. And, you know, I follow you on Facebook, so I, I know you're speaking all over the country. And, uh and it's one of those things where how do you find balance? I mean, it, because you're specifically, you're acknowledging in this book that you have got to be just as invested in your home life as you are in your business life. So how are you balancing that? Because you're all over the country. That's great. That's a great. All the time. Great question. Thanks for asking that. Shame so, on you. <laughs> well, what you don't know <laughs> is that I have, uh, one of my goals is to only do 36 speaking engagements mm. per year. And so. No wonder you're so expensive. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not for local businesses i love i love speaking at those but to your point i have so many friends or people on social media where i can look at their lives and say wow they do hundreds of events mm -hmm. per year and they do all you know and i could easily look at them and i do sometimes in in my weak moments and say wow that must be nice yeah. right and but i have to remember okay that's their life yeah um, i'm not called to do that uh the quote you know com uh, teddy roosevelt comparison is the thief of mm -hmm. joy love that quote. And, and so it's like i need to live my life and what's best for my family. And so for me, it's uh, to, to your point with the 36 engagements per year, I am trying to build closer to home, you yeah. know, like speaking this morning in Jeff city, yep. awesome group, actually coach Smith, uh, Mizzou wrestling coach, yeah. Brian Smith yeah. spoke right after me. So Drew and I got to listen to him. He's incredible mm -hmm. and, um, awesome guy. And so I think for me, it's like being able to do more locally is, is kind of a focus to help with that because my wife, my kids enjoy it. I enjoy it when I yeah. get home for dinner after yeah. after doing these things. You know, one of the things I've noticed is as a generational change, and I'm I'm at the tail end of the baby boomers, and and but as I see this this group of uh, uh, really we're we're past millennials now. We're looking at Generation X, the Generation Y, uh, and I think there's a few other names that they they call these folks. But it, it's it's really interesting that the the family, the home relationships are are much different than they used to be. And and you know when I was beginning my career and uh, my family life, um, you know my wife was very tolerant of of what I had to do to be successful in business, to build a business. And uh, she really gave me a free pass as long as I was doing business stuff, you know, and, and you know, securing a financial future for our family. Uh, she was very tolerant. As I counsel younger men, mentor younger men, to just sort of through through my Christian ministry and other things that I'm doing, you know, I, I've noticed it that uh, today's men, uh, have a lot more demands on them. And there's this expectation, like the character in your book, uh, that, uh, the wives want so much more from their husband. And really, uh, they consider it just important that, that he is helping with domestic responsibilities. And maybe that's an old fashioned way to say it. But, you know, the, the today's wife expects much more of her husband no matter how successful he is in business, uh, to be more involved in helping raise the family and take care of household matters. Uh, so the, you not want to touch that it, one? I was going to say, is my, is my <laughs> wife listening? To, no, I mean, I, I yeah, I, we have such a great team at home in, in yeah. that regard, but I think you're, you're right in that. Um, just think about, you know, I'm a millennial. Yeah. My generation, so many of us grew up at a time where there is that hard work mentality yeah. uh, and, and maybe your dad's not, there yeah. and, and not home. And I do think now what we're seeing, I think millennials and, and Gen Z is starting to acknowledge that and say, you know what? And it, especially the pandemic, it just really, I think, opened up some people's eyes to say, wait, why, 
why are we doing it this way? Yeah. You know, I could get a remote job or I could, you know, I could do mm-hmm. a flexible hybrid schedule where I yeah. could actually serve my family and, and live what I believe to be true and my core values and things like that. So I do agree in that, um, you know, I think my generation is starting to see that and say, let, I'm going to question some things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just the different priorities and uh, the way they stack things in their lives. Give us an update on the book. How's it selling? Uh, what, what, what's been the biggest surprise for you in, in the last year? It's going great. I think the the biggest surprise is, you know, a year, almost a year out now of, of having the book published. It's like Drew and I are driving to Kansas right after this and I'm still slinging, you know, copies out of my back of my Honda CRV. You know, yeah. it's like you're still constantly promoting it. And it's just so fun. And I think I always will. And um, even with other books in the future, I'll, I'll still always speak on this message because the message of integrity, it applies to so many different organizations, businesses, companies. And so I think for me, probably the most surprising thing is, um, yeah, to be able to be affirmed by whether it's younger or older people saying, wow, I really needed that message or, Mm -hmm. hey, here's a way that I've seen it, you know, come to life in my business or things like that. I would say that's the most surprising in that, you know, people ask me all the time, hey, how do I write a book? And, and well, you know, that's why we started Streamline Books to help people do that. But sometimes they don't realize that, there's early morning flights or you're getting in late, you're missing certain things. And so I think that's where it comes to getting intentional on what do you want your business to look like? How many engagements do you want to do per year? Yeah. We're going to talk a little more about Streamline uh, in the later segments here. But I, I think that, you know, uh, today uh, the book has become, for a lot of people, a great calling card. And it, it's really a way for me to tell you my story or to sell you on an idea or a concept uh, and uh, to publish a book because the publishing world has changed dramatically in the last 10 years and and, um, it, and with e-commerce and everything else. And, and so it's it's really uh, the, the importance of the book has uh, become um, so significant. Are you planning to write another book? I am. Yeah, I have about seven more books that I want to write. I'm trying to keep seven pace with, more books. I'm trying to keep pace with you, though. <laughs> yeah, every right. time well, I go, every time I go to a men's <laughs> conference, there's another Fred Perry book well, or devotional. I, so I, uh, I will tell you, just from personal experience, that writing like that for me is a very painful experience. And I've been writing editorials and columns for over 30 years and it, it's just a it's a painful exhausting process but w- tell us about your next book what are, you, what are you thinking yeah so it's actually my co-founder and i uh with streamline books we help yeah. people write and publish their own book we are writing a book that tells uh, essentially encourages people on why they should share their story oh, i love it and yeah. so for us it is a business card for our business but it's a way to encourage people like hey here's how you can we're, we're essentially giving away our content for free right here's how you'd write a book yeah uh, we have the resources to help you but here's how you can do it you just published a, your 80th title is that you work with your 80th author uh, we is signed right? our 80th author okay yeah. that's so, pretty cool yeah. and uh you uh just published a book for a guy you met in prison uh, I didn't meet him in prison, but he did serve time in prison. Yes, uh, we've actually it's our second book for someone that was in prison. Yeah, now is out and wants to share their message. So that, yeah, there's some. Uh, All right, so kind of yeah. uh, it just it's, it's it tells you that really uh, there is a compelling story. Everybody has a story. Uh, whether uh, you may not be a world successful uh, CEO, right. uh, maybe you've done time in prison, but there's there's people out there that want to hear your story. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, on that note, one of the people that served time in prison, he said the biggest prison that I was ever in my mind uh, – you know, was the prison of my mind yeah. when I wasn't behind bars. Mm. It was my mental health, things like that. And yeah. so I do think other people, whether, yeah, you serve time or not, 
they resonate with those books because it's it's their story. Yeah, that's the voice of Alex Dimsack. He is the author of The Sale, New York Times bestselling book, uh, co-author with John Gordon. When we come back, we'll talk with him about uh, some of the key themes in the book that, uh, that I think uh, as, as a business audience, uh, you'll want to hear. And uh, we'll touch on that. And then we'll also tell you about his exciting uh, publishing company, Streamlined Books, and, and all that and more. It's coming up with Alex Dimsack. This is Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable. This is 93.9 The Eagle. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Glad that you tuned in this weekend. We are visiting with Alex Dimsack, who is the publisher, New York Times bestselling publisher, author of uh, the book, uh, The Sale. Uh, the number one strategy to build trust and create success, co-authored with John Gordon. And uh, Alex has spent uh, much of the last year on the road uh, giving uh, presentations and speaking to audiences, uh, uh, motivational speaker. Uh, and you've been doing that for how many years uh, have you really been doing that kind of work? So I took a public speaking class at Mizzou. Yeah. Shout out to Mizzou for that. And my first ever uh, I guess paid speaking engagement was August 5th, 2018. Wow. And you're, you're starting something called the Speaker School, which is going to help people uh, who uh, have dreamed of being a public speaker uh, exactly. teach them how to do it. Exactly. And right now, yeah, yeah, it's called Speaker School. And for a lot of our authors that we publish their book, you know, many of them, they have stories, they have all these experiences, but they've never maybe spoken professionally or, yeah. or done that, but they aspire to. Yeah. And so Speaker School, we help pair them with a, a speech writer and a speaker coach, and then I kind of help them on the business side of the coaching. And so, yeah, we're just helping people say, hey, here's your message, the story that you have in your book. Now, how do we put that into a keynote or a workshop? Yeah, when you speak to a group like he did this morning at the at the, uh, uh, the Young Professionals group, um, how long is your typical speech? Usually a keynote's about 45 minutes, okay. and then a workshop is about two hours. But yeah. so, I will say there have been some clients who have said, hey, Alex, we have a five-hour session, six hours full day. Can you do it? And absolutely. I haven't. It, it, it sounds, sounds brutal. It sounds brutal. For you and the attendees. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The second part, exactly. Uh, even more so. But yeah, yeah, I think that's why, you know, having an action plan with the book, it's 36 page PDF that allows, that's what we did this morning. We went through that um, action plan and it's like people sharing. It's not just me. Cause yeah, even if I was, Michael Jordan, who wants to hear someone for six hours? Yeah, right? I, mean, I, I, I know that there's been kind of a movement uh, since the TED Talk started to sort of uh, uh, have these 18 minute talks. And, and yeah. uh, that seems to have risen in popularity. Is that something that you're seeing a lot of out there on the road? For sure. And I would say sometimes you show up to an event and they're like, well, Alex, we're running behind. So you got 12 minutes. Do yeah. your best. I'm like, yeah. all right, here yeah. we go. So I think there's, there's partly it's that. But I think, too, it's in our social media society, it's such a quick the attention span. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, so. that's interesting. So some of the key themes from your book, uh, uh, trust, integrity, the power of positive leadership. Uh, I love this Teddy Roosevelt quote. And I honestly, I had never heard the quote until I read it in your book. Mm. And I thought that was brilliant. And uh, but comparison is the thief of joy uh, that. That is something that is uh, such a guidepost for the way that we live our lives. And, and, uh, certainly we'd all be a lot happier if we, if we had listened to that quote. Uh, and then enhancing time with family and, uh, uh, balancing that time with the family, uh, versus your career. Uh, and that, that challenge that that's presented there. Tell me, um, why is trust so important in, in today's, uh, economy? That's great. Great question. And, and the reality is trust, integrity, those are, 
I, I believe those are competitive advantages in business. Competitive, and okay. Competitive right. advantages. And um, I would say that there's so much emphasis today on, you know, think about an employer who's hiring someone, mm-hmm. you know, a new, a new employee. They look at that employee and they say, wow, they are so talented. You know, and they say, oh, talent, they can hit the phones as a sales rep or whatever they do. But I think sometimes that there's such a urge to get people in the door, mm-hmm. they overlook the character component. Yeah. You know, and I think what happens is if you think about people who increase their talent, but their character doesn't keep pace, if it, if the talent outpaces the, the character, uh, trouble's waiting to happen. Yeah. You know, and I think we you see that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, John Gordon, my co-author, has an awesome quote. He talks about, you know, having talent without character is like a race car without a steering wheel. It looks great from the outside. It looks yeah. shiny. It's like, wow, look at that thing. But a, a crash is waiting to happen. Yeah. Have you met some uh, race cars without steering wheels? You know what? I, I will say this. I'm friends with the Gibbs family. I was a counselor for Jackson Gibbs, Joe Gibbs' grandson at uh-huh. NASCAR. Wow. And it's funny. We were at the race. We're at the pit. Back when Carl Edwards was racing, uh, he got us down the pit. We have the headphones on. We're, we're listening in. And you could hear Carl Edwards and his team. It was amazing. Mm. And I look over my wife, Erin, and she's asleep. And wow. I said, I said, Aaron, what? Joe, Joe Gibbs is right there. And she said, it sounds like the sound machine. So it was just funny. But I will say, I will say, after about 200 laps, those things are going around. Yeah. It does almost put you to but, sleep. But, but have you met people that are the, like, like the metaphor you just used? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, think, I think we all have. And I think yeah. that's the message of the book and the way we wrote it is we all know. We all, can, we all know people. We know of people at work in our personal lives when it's like, wow, they are they are a person who who doesn't only walk they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk like yeah. it's so easy to see those people and and the opposite's true you know warren buffett he said trust is like the air that we breathe mm. when it's present you don't even notice it but when it's absent you can't help but notice mm. you can't breathe yeah. and i think that's so true it's like we all see it and especially i know a lot of older generations want to look at you know gen z and say oh they show up late to work right. and, you know all these things and i get it but what i will say is in speaking to a lot of these younger groups they are very good at identifying fake versus real. Wow. And, you know, with social media, all these things, they're just so, they, they are, they're very good at that. Yeah. I've, I've just picked up on that. And so I think employers need to be thinking, okay, yes, there's obviously expectations, scorecards that need to be met, mm-hmm. but how can we build trust as an organization in our culture and, and create a positive culture where these, these younger kids coming up say, I actually want to be part of that. Yeah. Uh, Stephen M. R. Covey, who spoke to the Columbia Public Schools uh, teachers at the beginning of the semester, uh, had a book called the, Speak, the Speed of Trust. And, and you know, one of the concepts uh, that he presents is that, you know, the uh, trust is is the newest, most valuable currency mm. that, that we all use. And, you know, I, I, as I think back about, you know, look, you grew up on the sales side of things. I grew up on the sales side of things. And, and it used to be when you sold, uh, you would spend a lot of time uh, focusing on what the client's needs were and trying to build a rapport and relationship and try to build some trust. Uh, the selling cycle has changed. And there's a lot of CEOs that are listening to this program who have salespeople out on the streets. But, but one of the things I'd like to talk about is that, you know, the selling cycle has changed so dramatically in the last 10, 15 years that, uh, and maybe it's because of attention span. Maybe it's because we feel like we're, we're too busy. But, you know, um, if, 
if you don't sell somebody on your first call, your first encounter with them, uh, there's a very good chance that you're never going to have another opportunity to to be in front of those people. And so it's it's just a really interesting dynamic in a, in an era where trust has become so important. Uh, we just often don't have the time in a relationship to to build trust or to display integrity. You're right, and it it happens quicker. And something we're trying to work on on our sales team at Streamline Books is. Being, I know this sounds simple, but being active listeners. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk with people all every single day that are, hey, I want to write a book or I want to tell my story. And we get on a, you know, our sales process is a 30 minute sales call, mm-hmm. a 30 minute intro call to get to know them, where instead of us talking for 30 minutes about what we offer, yep. what we're trying to focus on is how do we spend 25 minutes on that call listening, yeah. taking notes. And in the last five minutes, we're like, hey, this is how we can help you. And it's funny, when we do that, Fred, it's a lot of times that, that prospect in the other line goes, that was one of the best calls I ever had. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's just, you talk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a focus for us. And you're right. It, it is it is quicker. But I think when you know what you stand for, decision making becomes, becomes easier. Uh, business owners are having a very difficult time filling vacant positions in their company. Um, and uh, you, you talk about trust and you talk about character. And, and you know, I think that sometimes we're so desperate to f- just simply fill that seat in our, in our uh, corporate structure that um, sometimes all we're looking for is really a pulse or a heartbeat. And uh, we don't have time or we don't make the effort to uh, take into consideration someone's character. Uh, tell me, why that's detrimental. Yeah, very detrimental. And I think a great example is this, and I'll just go back to what we're doing at Streamline right now, is when we first started the the publishing company and our team, for from the revenue standpoint, we're saying, hey, we got to publish as many books as we can, right? And so we would bring people into our ecosystem um, that maybe weren't necessarily a character fit. Mm-hmm. You know, they necessarily um, didn't go well with our team and, and things they were needing. And so for us, we've now change to where it's like, how do we almost interview the, our potential clients? And how do we say, hey, you have an amazing story to share. Um, we want to hear more about you and, and see what this could look like. And because there's a lot of other publishers out there. And so I mm-hmm. think you're you're 100% right. There is this speed to we got to get employees, we got to get employees. But I think as leaders, you're so on it when you say, have we been introspective to look at our own leadership and, yeah. and, and done a self audit on ourselves and say, am I personally creating the culture that these people want to be part of. Yeah. And I think if you're honest, you know, if you're, if you really look at that, you have to be truthful with yourself and say, okay, yes, we've done some really cool culture things. I think of a company like a Veterans United. Mm-hmm. I think of these companies that they do these out of the box, cool, fun things. Well, there's a reason why people want to work for them, yeah. you know, and, and they're doing it the right way. Yeah. You know, I think that one of the, the, the problems oftentimes when we hire the wrong person or have the, the right person in the wrong seat. Um, I think that as, as CEOs, we're reluctant to fail fast. And I think that once we realize we've made a mistake, uh, the idea of quickly uh, making a change is something that we're very reluctant to do. Absolutely. And I think so much of, I mean, Fred, I've, I've seen the success you've had in business over the years. I think about just, yeah, my younger career. Uh, I feel like to, do what I'm doing now as a speaker. I had to get up in front of a crowd. I mean, I literally had Fred. I showed up to an audience, and there was one kid that showed right. up. <laughs> I, I love that. Story. I told you that's a great yeah, story. I told you that's a beautiful yeah. story. And it's like, but but the reality is, it, it comes back to okay. Well, why am? What is what is my message? Why am I doing this? And it's about impacting one person at a time. Yeah. So even if I do show up to this Kansas event tonight, and there's one person. You know what? 
I'm going to show up and, I, and give, 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 give my best. I can't wait for you to talk to that kid in 20 years <laughs> and look back at the impact that you spending that time with that one kid uh, in that empty auditorium is going to have on him and, and how that's going to change his life and yeah, the success you know, I, he's going to have. He's a fourth grader, Fred. I gave him a signed copy of my book. So did he read it? Did he throw it in the trash? We'll see. But maybe, I guarantee maybe. you he read it. <laughs> You know, so right. uh, he probably thought the whole thing about the uh, uh, cryptocurrency was crazy like I did. So yeah, anyway. yeah. But, hey, your listeners have to read the book to find out about that. Right, so that's what the a sales tease. pitch. What yeah. a tease, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you, um, uh, as you encounter people who have read your book uh, around the country, uh, what, what kinds of stories are they sharing with you? Yeah, that's what's humbling about doing this work mm-hmm. is that, you know, when you go do a keynote talk and you leave, sometimes you don't get to hear the the benefit, you know, you don't get to hear the takeaways from people, yeah. you know, in a 30 minute hour long situation. But yeah, it's, it is really humbling to get an email from someone who has read the book and has said, Hey, you know, I'm getting this for my entire team. I want you to come out and speak or, Hey, we're doing a team book study on this, on integrity. This lines up with our values. It really has been surprising to me to go back to your original question, like how many companies across America and in Missouri, one of their core values is integrity. Mm-hmm. And so it does line up really well. And it's, I think just affirming for those organizations that, hey, how do we get back to the basics of the things yeah. that matter? And so I think that's what the best speakers, the best communicators do. They're not really going up there and talking about rocket scientist mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. They're going in there and, and reminding people the why behind they why they do the work that they do. Yeah. You know, and we, we live in an era of uh, instant gratification where, um, you know, it's a microwave society. You know, we, we want everything to be instant, including our success. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that sometimes though it's, it's kind of a, an old school thought that you, that you take time to sort of build these things and, and that you, uh, that these relationships will mature and improve like wine over, over, over time. Um, and, but these are sort of some of the lost principles of, of business that uh, people forget about. And, and I mean, you hate to say it, but boy, integrity is one of those old school concepts. It is. And, you know, a quote that John Gordon told me years ago that I, I love this quote. He said, uh, when I first started speaking, you know, he has hundreds of thousands of social media followers. And I was asking him, you know, how do I kind of become like you? Mm-hmm. And he said, Alex, he said, he said, speaking leads to more speaking. And he said, you know, you need to put your head down and work for the next decade and then look up and maybe you'll be in overnight success, you know, in air quotes, right? Oh, that's got to hurt to hear. No, to, no, 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 but no. I mean, to hear no, 10 years is for sure. That's for someone yes. your age. That's a lifetime. It is a lifetime. But yeah. to put to your point, though, it's almost this lost art of my generation. Uh, the generation below me is kind of like, how do I become an overnight yeah, success on, online? Right. Yeah. And so I think. While it was hard to maybe accept at first, it was helpful to know, okay, you know what? I'm going to continue to show up and show up and show up. And yeah, in 10 years, who knows what it, what it'll look like. But my calling right now is to show up. Yeah. And I'm going to do that to the best of my ability. Yeah. Uh, you, in the last year, you've also had a new addition to the family. Uh, tell us, the, you have a son, is that correct? Yep. Walker is his name. And he's yeah. four months old. Okay. So. Very good. So your, your life is really complicated uh, over the last year. It is. Aaron, my wife, is a champ. But yeah, I mean, this didn't get much sleep last night. But hey, we're showing up here to this interview. And we're... <laughs> and 14 other events today. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that's Alex Jemczak. He is the author of uh, the New York Times bestselling book, The Sale, co-written with uh, John Gordon. When we come back, we're going to talk about his uh, publishing company that's really uh, just signed their 80th author and uh, they're, they're growing fast and we'll talk about writing books and, and uh, who are the types of people that could write books and, and a little bit more about the speaker school coming up. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. This is 93.9 The Eagle. It is.
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the third and final segment of the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Alex Dimsack, who is the New York Times bestselling author, Columbia guy, uh, went to school at Mizzou, uh, was an uh, official walk-on quarterback uh, for the Mizzou Tigers, and uh, started his career with Veterans United. And uh, this is his second book, and uh, you found out from an earlier segment, he's, he's already working on his third, fifth, fourth fifth sixth seventh book uh so uh lots of exciting things going on but one of the other endeavors that you have uh is this uh, publishing company a book publishing company called streamline books tell us a little bit about that company yeah so as i was speaking a few years ago i just would meet so many people who mm-hmm. would come up to me and say hey i loved your book or hey thanks for coming i have a story or i'm working on a book and they had no as you know the industry's changed a lot you have experience mm-hmm. in the industry and they wouldn't know what to do yeah. and so my co-founder who lives in kansas city um he he'd been doing ghostwriting he had been doing editing for these these marketing companies and so i read his book and i read it in a day and i was blown away and i and i called him and i just said will you have god has given you a gift to write mm-hmm. and so that was a few years ago and and now our team is about 54 writers and editors. Um, you wow. know, when it, like if we were going to write your book, let's yeah. say you'd get a project manager, a writer, and an editor. And so it, we, we've really tried to double down on the process yeah. because if you, know, if you think about creatives, people who are writers, editors, a lot of times they're super talented, but they have no process. Yeah. They have no system. And so we've tried to really create the technology, the systems behind this and then bring people into that system. And so, man, we just feel like if you think about it out in New York and all these big you know, these big book publishers, yeah. they don't care about your story or my story. No. They, they don't. They, no. they care about their bottom line. Right. And so for Streamline, you know, kind of our heartbeat is we believe that everyone has a book in them. Everyone has a message to share. Mm-hmm. And actually, we, we our company Bible verse is Proverbs 31, 8 and 9. And the verse starts out, open your mouth for the mute. And not that our authors are mute, but in the world sometimes I think puts them on mute mm-hmm. and, or maybe they don't know what to do next in the process. And so we want to help people take this lofty goal of like, someday I want to tell my story yeah. to, hey, you're going to have a team around you to do that and yeah. help you steward your story well. Yeah, it, it, it's so interesting because you, you um, I'm surprised at how often it comes up in conversation. You're, you're talking to somebody, you hear a little bit about their life story and, you know, you, you find yourself saying, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? Oh, I could never write a book, you know, and it, it is a daunting, uh, prospect, you know, to, to write a book, but, um, working with a company like yours, it really streamlines, says, hey, there hey, you hey, go. How hey, about now I you, know why you call it that. Do you want to be our director of sales, yeah, Fred? Really. <laughs> uh, you, uh, streamline the process. And let me ask you, uh, for someone out there who is, is thinking about writing a book because of something that happened in their past or something that they overcame or just something that they are an expert on. Uh, and it may be the most minute, uh, niche. Um, what has, what's typically the most difficult part of writing that book? Yeah, the answer might surprise you. And the answer is them kind of getting outside of their comfort zone. Yeah. Ooh. You know, yeah. You know, it's really the author themselves going, wow, I've had this story for years. And we, I mean, we deal with all kinds of stories. You can only imagine, mm-hmm. you know, from prison to all kinds of things. And they're saying, I've, I've held on to this story for so many years. Yeah. And I have never been able to share it. Yeah. And so for the first time, for some of these people, they have a team around them who's walking, literally holding their hands through the process, helping them write it, helping them get it on paper. And what's so cool is on the other side of that, now they have this 
yes, they're going to sell books. Yes, they're going to do events, whatever. But they have this impact piece that they're going to have for future generations, yeah. for the rest of their life. And, yeah. and I think we had, we had an author who said, you know, I just want to have a book to give out to my kids at Christmas. Yeah. And that's great. A legacy gift. It's a legacy piece. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think what the biggest thing that's changed in the industry is, is the fact that 90% of all books are sold on Amazon now. And, you know, that yep. just totally disrupts the, the whole distribution cycle. And in some ways really simplifies that. I mean, the fact that you used to have to have an agent, you used yeah. to have to have a publisher, uh, and now that you can essentially self-publish and, and, and kind of what you're doing is a, is a hybrid model where yeah. you're, you're doing the marketing and so forth. But, you know, figuring out the, having someone to help you figure out those Facebook, I mean, the, the, Amazon algorithms and and uh, the the SEO terms and all the kind of stuff that really makes a book success. I mean, that is that's the difficult part of it right now. Uh, yeah, go ahead. absolutely. And I think something to consider as well is we do a lot of books for businesses who want to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And think about it. I mean, a business who wants a competitive advantage in the marketplace, this is a business write-off for them, yeah. right? So they're investing in this, and now it's something that they're able to hand out to prospects, to clients, yeah. it helps uh, create the culture. So I, I just think to your point, it, it, you know, the industry for the past years was all about, you get rejected by publishers, you send your manuscript, yeah. you, you, you slave over it. And then it, some guy in New York says, well, that's not a good story. And we just think that's a bummer. Yeah. Like life is too short for yeah. that. And we want to tell people, Hey, you have a message, you have a story. We're going to bring resources around you and the book can be whatever you want it to be. And that's freeing because and the traditional book publishing side of things, you know, I mean, they try to change things. They try to they try to create their own narrative, and it's like we want our authors to have the freedom, or the businesses that write books tell their story, or nonprofits tell their what's your mission of why you exist. Yeah, how cool is that that you have this resource to now hand out to people? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I um uh, I want to encourage people, if you're listening to the program today and you'd like a free copy of Alex's book, uh, email me, uh, fperry61 at gmail.com. I I have five copies of the book I'm going to give away. I'll, I'll mail it to you, or you can come by and pick it up at the Eagle Studios. But uh, uh, we'd love for you to Fred, have could, a copy. Could you put, do you think, can you sign it as well? Oh, I'll autograph it, absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. but uh, if, you'd like, if you haven't had a chance to, to pick it up, I've got uh, five copies that I'm willing to give to uh, listeners of this radio program. And... Uh, you'll enjoy it. it. It's a great story. It's a great read. It reads very well. And uh, there's a very powerful message. Uh, and it's not just uh, for business people. I mean, it, integrity and trust plays such a uh, a huge role in, in our interpersonal relationships and, and with family and everybody else. So uh, by all means, uh, email me fperry61 at gmail.com. And Perry is spelled P-A-R-R-Y. Um, I, um, I, when, you, when you look at your... Um, the, the process and, and everything else that goes into what advice do you give to people who are trying uh, to to write a book? Uh, here's the here's the only way that I've been able to write books. Uh, I have to give myself a very firm, short deadline and I have to commit myself to spending 30 minutes a day yep. writing every day. And what tends to happen is I start writing for 30 minutes. And by the time I hit minute 22 or 23, I say, Oh, this isn't so bad. And, and I can write for 45 minutes or, or an hour, you know, um, tell what, what advice do you give to people who are having trouble getting their thoughts on paper? 
Yeah, I, we have different options. One of our options to, to what you just said, a pain point you just mentioned is having the time mm-hmm. is our ghostwriting package. Yeah. And so yeah. a lot of people through, it, it's almost like you're doing a podcast interview, yeah. right? And then we're taking what's up here in their head and getting on paper. Yeah. And so I would say that's for sure an element of, for busy executives we work with, they say, yes, this works better for me because mm-hmm. um, we're taking their words and getting them on paper. But for other people, we have writing goals, we have check-in calls, things that because they need accountability, yeah, right? Because it's so easy to say, well, someday I will get around to Mm-mm. X, right? Yeah. And you need those people around you. And I think the highest performers in any industry have coaches, they have accountability, they have mentors. Yeah, that's uh, pretty impressive. I want to go back to the speaker school. Uh, as you, uh, I think a lot of people uh, feel very insecure about their appearance. Uh, they feel insecure about their ability to deliver a message in a succinct, uh, concise uh, you know, something that that people can comprehend. Uh, what what do you do to help help them overcome those for those fears? Yeah. So for speaker school, we help uh, companies. We go in uh, sometimes and and do trainings or workshops for their employees. So we mm-hmm. help their employees uh, communicate effectively. And then on the individual side, we help people who want to become keynote speakers. We mm-hmm. help them uh, with a speechwriter. We help them understand what is your core message. What are the things that you're trying to convey. And, and help them do that because we have a lot of people who say, hey, I wrote this book, but now how can I go share it? And yeah. I think just for your listeners, whether you want to be a speaker or not, I just think being able to be an effective communicator is so important. We all know it. Yep. And what are things you're doing to work on that skill? And I think speaker school, that's what's so fun. We get to go into these companies and say, hey, you have all these new hires. Well, let us take you through this curriculum of speaker school where we're helping them become good at communicating. Yeah. <laughs> How can you be a good sales rep insurance or whatever if you can't communicate well? And that's kind of the heartbeat of that company. Yeah, it's um, uh, I, I think that's a great concept. And I think there's certainly a demand for that as we start to. Yeah, and I think that, you know, COVID was a bit of a disruptor for the TED Talks, so that whole concept. But I think we're going to I think people have a desire uh, to hear uh short presentations from a variety of people and uh, i don't know if, if the ted talks will reinvent themselves uh in, in anytime soon but uh i think that there definitely is a demand uh for getting that content uh delivered and and hearing people present ideas that they've already presented in a book and and uh it's it's pretty good do you uh what do you do about audiobooks Yes, we have um, some buddies out in uh, California. They have mm-hmm. a huge company. They've been doing audiobooks for since like the 1990s. Yeah. And um, they actually, I think, started ChristianAudiobook.com and sold it. They, they're awesome guys. And we work closely with them and they help our authors. It's, it's actually kind of fun. They, you can either fly out to California in their studio or they have studios all across yeah. uh, the country in bigger cities that you can uh, do your audiobook. So I will say this, Fred, it is hard to record an audiobook. Oh, I can't imagine. Oh, you, I can't you know, imagine. You sit across the window with your producer, Brian, or whoever on the other side. And uh, if you mess up, you got to start over. You have to be, yeah. really, you have to be on it. So. Uh, Patrick Miller and Keith Simon recorded an audiobook for their, their book, uh, Truth Over Tribe. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I think they set aside three days down in Texas <laughs> to do it. And, and uh, they, they actually got it done in one day. But, but it, that's it's no joke. The fact that you set aside three days is something. But I, I don't want to give people the impression that you're just publishing for Christian authors. You're, you're publishing for professional athletes. You even published a book for that jerk that was on The Bachelor <laughs> that mistreated all those women so badly. Probably one of your buddies. But uh, we, were, we were teammates at Mizzou. But yeah, we publish books for all kinds of people. It's not, you know, we're, we're not just a Christian publishing company, yeah. but we, we feel like uh, we, we want to be a vo- help be a voice to the voiceless and help people share their voice. And so, yeah, that's in, in business context and just all across the board. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How is his book doing, by the way? 
doing good. I think. What's uh, his name? His name's Clayton. Clayton. And, um, yep. He's, he's and he was on The Bachelor what a year and a half ago. About yeah, about year. year okay. Yeah, I haven't even. It's and been, ended up not picking any of the women. Correct? <sighs> Is that what the way it works? And now we're talking Bachelor drama. This went a whole different. Well, surely direction. you read. Surely you read the book. <sighs> I read the book. I watched the show. <laughs> but yeah, Clayton and I are good friends. He uh, he's you know he's trying to do more speaking. I think around uh, just his message, his book, which was revolved around mental health. Oh, okay. And so. Um, hmm. Yeah, he's out in Arizona selling real estate, but he's a, he said he said he might come back for a Mizzou game this year. He told yeah. me the other day. So okay, well, don't tell him to call because he's a lot a lot stronger than me. So, well, I'll you tell know. him you told him that, and maybe he'll come on your radio show. You can talk some bachelor drama because I'm sure a lot of your listeners on this channel the reason, list, hey, really the reason, listen. To the reason I watch is because he was a you know Columbia. <laughs> yeah, Mizzou yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the only time I've ever watched a bachelor. But yeah, um, okay, we've only got a minute left here. How can people find out more about you, about your books, about your speaking engagements? Uh, what, what would be a good way? for people to research you yeah on social media alex demchek you can just find oh, you me anywhere spell that d-e-m-c-z-a-k okay. and then what's even easier than that is alexspeaking.com that's where you can just find all my stuff okay alexspeaking.com and, and the book is of course available on amazon on barnes and noble um all over the place and, and at your website too right website and then obviously to support local local barnes and noble here oh, in town go to columbia yeah. barnes and noble there you yeah. go Awesome. Good. Well, Alex, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on your success. It's been fun to watch you over the years. And, and uh, you had a goal early on and uh, you just kept fighting and, and you were uh, pursuing it. And, and I tell you, it's, it's nice to see it uh, pay off for someone like you. Well, thanks for your mentorship and friendship, Fred. And uh, thanks for having me on. It's all, maybe we'll make it three times at some point in the future. We'll see. <laughs> Third time's a charm. All right, folks, we'll see you next weekend with the CEO Roundtable Show. I'm Fred Perry. You have been listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was born and raised.